I'm Luca Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. Yeah. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the <laughs> Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member at MavsMoneyball.com, and I am joined. As always, by my co-host, writer at Mavs.com, eating that deep dish pizza. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? We already established this. We don't like deep dish pizza. Yeah, we don't. But we're eating it tonight because we got a win in Chicago. Hey, the Mavericks have won three out of four games, guys. Are contenders? Oh, the Mavs back? Contenders. The Mavs are back. Okay, so we joked after the Wizards game that they were back, but now are they back? Oh, the Mavs back. Okay, well. We'll play, we'll we'll just put the devil's advocate out of the way real quick. Um, they uh, three out of the last four uh, have been victories, which has been awesome. Uh, but uh, one victory was against the Wizards, which is like uh, I don't know a middle school dance team, and then the Russell Westbrook less Oklahoma City Thunder, and then uh, Chicago that did not have Laurie Marketing and Chris Dunn and whoever else. Um, but still, they've won three out of four, and we're going to be positive right now, okay? And the and one loss is against the Knicks, right? Yes. No, the Jazz. Jazz. Oh, Knicks was the one before that. And you know what? I'm calling it right now. They're beating the Jazz at home Wednesday night. Oh, they're, they're beating beat them me by- once. Shame on me. Beat me twice. Shame on our players. Beat me thrice. You will not. <laughs> All right, today what we're going to get to is we're going to break down and recap and react to the Mavericks win against the Chicago Bulls. And then, in the second half of the podcast, we're going to do, remember our remember our series this summer, Isaac, the What If series? Yes. We're going to revisit that a little bit because we had a little, little what if earlier today when Coach Carlisle came out and said that the Mavericks would have drafted Wendell Carter if they had just stayed at five. So we're going to go back. And uh, we'll we'll take a little trip down to our what if our what if cave. Put your tinfoil hats on, and we'll go back. What would have happened? <laughs> Dear God, that's a in dark a wor- timeline in a world. So, well, that's what we're gonna do today. All right, the Mavericks come out with the victory. Man, this was an ugly game. I mean, one hundred and three to ninety eight. Uh, it kind of wasn't that close. The Mavericks like they built up a lead uh, essentially their bench would build up a lead the starters would come in and they would lose the lead and go back and forth i think it got to within one like three or four different times <laughs> in the third and fourth quarter and so they just kept going back and forth but after you know the end of the first quarter when the bench finally took the lead from the bulls the mavericks basically never looked back and they held the lead uh the discrepancy between <laughs> the bench and the starters in plus minus was hilarious here here's the the plus minus for the bench players. JJ plus 22, Dwight plus 19, Devin plus 9 or uh, plus 16 for Dwight, plus 19 for Devin Harris, plus 12 for Jalen Brunson, Maxi Kleba plus 15. And for the starters, Dennis minus 16, Dorian minus 8, DeAndre minus 12, Luca minus 13, Harrison minus 9. Like literally completely split. And so the gap between how much worse like how bad the starters are against other starters and how good the bench is against other benches continues to widen. But it, I, I think it was, it was more than a bench though. I mean, they like Chicago put in their starters and stuff and the bench unit still played against those. Like I remember JJ and them playing against, you know, Zach Levine and stuff. So 
Yeah, I mean the bench. It's like it was it was a close game there at the beginning, and then they put the they put the bench unit in, and then just like they do their thing. They just have this chemistry. They, they want have, like a twenty nine to eight run. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as soon like, as they yeah, got the, in, it's like yeah, the end of the first, like going to the second, whatever. And um, you know, I had the shameless plug on my maxi story, but uh, yesterday, and uh, I'm like, man, maxi came in just instant, like. <laughs> Had a massive block to the sideline. He hit, I think he hit a couple threes tonight, or at least one. No, yeah, he was two for two on threes tonight, which is huge because he's been in the shooting slump. And, uh, you know, Wes obviously didn't play tonight. He had a hamstring issue, uh, so he didn't even take the trip to Chicago. Dorian Finney-Smith was the starter, which a lot of people have been just uh, screaming for. I have a question for you. For the fan base, has Maxi and DeAndre reached the Finney Smith West level? For a lot of people, I see I see that a lot. That's that's what I see more now than start Dorian over West. Is I see start Maxi over DeAndre. Yeah, I, I'm just uh, I'm really curious about that, and I'm curious about so Maxi playing the five is a whole different um, ball game for him because you know Rick. Uh, when I asked Rick about Maxi uh, in the season, he said. Maxi, you know, can really, you know, you got to be able to shoot if you're playing one through four. He said, Maxi can play the five, but he hasn't played the five much this year. So then I asked when I was talking to Maxi about what position he was more comfortable with on the season. He was like, hey, I like both the positions, but in, in Rick's system, the five man is more of a role man. Yeah. Well, we both know we've been talking about the pod. He spent most of his summer all last year remaking the shot and all this stuff. Like it's just a different type of system. That's why when they come in off the bench, Dwight Powell takes the DeAndre role and he's Maxi plays the four. And you even saw Maxi playing DeAndre tonight. So I don't think it's as easy for people to throw out there and say, Hey, just put Maxi in, in DeAndre spot. It's not as easy of a of a flip flop because yeah, but could you rework the system a little bit if Maxi was in there? Yeah, you probably could. You, yeah, you would have to probably. But I, I think Maxi could still roll and you know catch lobs, and he does that kind of stuff too. He's just not as good as DeAndre and Dwight, who are probably two of the best rollers in the NBA. You know, if you start going through numbers, um, so I think it could work. But like I've said before, it's not going to happen. DeAndre just has too big of a he's just too big of a personality, too big of a of a, a figure on this team for him to, that, move, that would be, um, yeah, that would be something that would happen in uh, April. The, if the Mavericks are out of the playoffs and, um, there's buyout conversations <laughs> and, uh, that would be when Maxie would like probably start over. But no, I could see Finney Smith starting over Wes, uh, before the Maxie and Deandre for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Um, again, Dennis Smith Jr. and J.J. Barea, their minutes add up to 40, this is fascinating 48 to minutes again. Uh, this is two games in a row, and maybe even before that. I, I wasn't tracking it until last game, but they Carlisle refuses to play them together. However, he will play he will play Brunson and Barea and Devin Harris all together <laughs> in that lineup, which is a uh, – basically Brunson's taking the Yogi role. Yeah. From last year with, with Devin and JJ. And then you have Maxi who's playing the Dirk role and then Dwight's playing his, his role from last year. And that bench unit is basically the unit that went on these huge runs. That's the unit that I read out at the top of the show. And uh man, he's just got this figured out. You have three guys that can handle the ball, make plays, and um and you have two guys that can, you know, pop. Dwight hit one three tonight, took another one that he probably shouldn't. 
And then, you know, we know Maxi is a threat from deep and definitely plays defense. Um, also, Alex uh, Garuya on Twitter, he used to be a, with Mavs Moneyball. He had a good he had a good point that I saw you you uh, comment on that Devin Harris is essentially like the oil of the of the second unit because he comes in and he just he knows how to play fast. And when he comes in and you know plays fast and moves without the ball very well and does all these things, he helps make the offense go in that second unit. I like what he said. Um, I, I interact with it because I, the first part of that tweet and when he said. Um, Devin Harris is the best like off ball player on the team. And I'm yeah. like, I've literally been thinking about this a lot because he, he, he probably is. Yeah. Like he, I don't think and, that's a big stretch to say. And like in, in this perfect world, I, somebody responded to on Twitter and said, man, it'd be nice if Dennis could learn from him. And yeah, that, that's the thing. Like he should be, a, <laughs> it'd be nice if they were in the same locker room and shared the court every once in a while, a young Devin Harris, would have been perfect next to Luca. You know, Devin has yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. played this point guard role when he was younger, but then learned how to play off the ball. And he just plays, and he's just learned over the years of playing with JJ in the second unit, how to play off JJ. And that, and like, you just see their chemistry. He he knows how to defend these guys. And yeah, he he plays off the wall, off the ball, off the wall, off the ball. Uh, Both. Uh, <laughs> amazing. And, you know, a lot of people make fun of uh, Dallas for bringing, as far as Mavs fans, for bringing Devin back this summer and saying, oh, why are we bringing him back? He's older. We want a young guy, all this stuff. And you just see, uh, you see his impact on this, uh, this second unit and stuff. And it's once again, it's what we're talking about. Man, if they can figure out their starting unit, this bench unit is like what you would die for for a, as a playoff team like i know wouldn't would, okc kill for this bench right now oh they would just i mean yeah like and you know hoiberg talked about it after the game I, I retweeted one of the reporters and talking about he said man their their bench unit is so lethal and he, he called jj barrett uh, he's the head of the snake of that second unit. yeah and, it's a good way to put i it. mean jj had a stellar season last year like one of his best <laughs> statistical seasons of his career and now like he's like uh, it's not there, like statistical wise. I don't think I have. I need to really, you know, look into it. But like, he's still he's having a, a great past few games. And but Dennis Smith Jr.'s minutes, it's fascinating to me. It's one of if we did um, if we did a pod in the future over the next week or so, and we say, hey, what's the top five storylines around the team right now, or like uh, an underlying storyline? One of them for me is Dennis Smith Jr.'s minutes. And I, I sent out a tweet over it's thir- they've played 13 games this season. Have you seen this tweet? Cause I'm going to ask you a question. No, 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 I haven't looked at it. I haven't seen it. Okay. In the 13 games uh, that the Mavericks have played this season, how many games have, has Dennis played over 30 minutes? Oh, it's a good question. Uh, I'm going to go. So there's 13 games. I'm going to go six, five. <laughs> That's like less than half, way less than half. Yeah. Yeah, and and how many take take another guess? How many games has he played in twenty seven minutes or less? Uh, six again. Six. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be my guess and, again. And, and over the past, and three he hasn't games, been in, he hasn't been in foul trouble like that much either. No, it's definitely not a foul trouble thing. And over the past three games, he's played twenty four minutes, twenty six minutes, and twenty four minutes. Um, it's just. Man, if I would have never imagined a world in which Dennis would be playing less than 30 minutes a night. 
Like yeah. I at all. And it's it's wild to see that <clears throat> he's obviously in this somebody tweeted at uh, tweeted this at me and it was a great way to word it. Rick Carlisle's in this conundrum right now. Yeah. Do you develop Dennis Smith Jr. or when JJ Barea is in the game and playing well, do you do, or do you go for wins? And that's the like battle right now. If JJ Barea playing with Luke in that unit is going to result in a win, but it might cost you cutting down big time minutes from Dennis Smith Jr. Like it's this battle that you you still got to develop your young cornerstone. And man, it, that's a hard spot. And with with Dennis not playing with JJ at all, to me that says that that he's picking the wins over developing Dennis. You know, like not getting any minutes with JJ at all. Like he can't overlap them at all, and he won't. Yeah, and and we saw uh, what well, you tweeted out, and it was just the craziest thing about how their you know their minutes equal up to four, forty eight. Exactly, minutes. like exactly forty eight. They literally sub in and out for each other, and and there's a lot of overlap on this team with different players, and they have a three point guard lineup, but Dennis can't play with JJ Barea. And like you texted me during the game, there's one point in which he put Dennis in, and literally it was like yeah, two minutes second later quarter. He, he puts JJ back in, and uh, it, it's just. That whole thing between JJ and Dennis and what works and what is not working right now is uh, it's just fascinating to me. And I know we talked about this on the last pod and I tweeted out tonight because I looked it up and just wanted to see if it's still a thing. But of two man uh, lineups and duos in the uh, for the Mavericks of all these different combinations that of players that's played together, the one with the highest net rating that's played over at least seventy five minutes together this season is Luca and JJ Brea. Yeah. Like they are like they like they're just playing better together. And it's not a I don't know, is it an indictment on Dennis? But it's not like But like Dennis's fourth quarter. Like Dennis scored all of his points tonight in the second half. And like Rick Carlisle in his press conference after the game, he said um he like praised Dennis for that end of the game. And he even like gave him big credit as far as saying like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. He said something along the lines. I'm paraphrasing, but I don't know if we win the game without Dennis's big time, like shots and possessions in the fourth quarter. And then Eddie Sefko asked him, did you say anything to him at halftime? Uh, because he had zero points on the stuff. What, you know, did you say anything to him at halftime? And Rick Carl literally says, um, that's none of y'all's business and walks off. <laughs> What? Oh my! I hate when he does that. That was the last question he was taking. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it. They're just they're they're rolling with wins right now. That's what they're in this this mode right now to where like whatever results in wins, you have to do it because at some point, if you continue down this route, then you really got to make a choice on the on the season. Well, I think they made a choice of the season before the season even started. They they tried it, they experimented with it a little bit, and they're realizing that. It's not working. By the way, in the fourth quarter, Dennis made two shots. So those are big shots. Nick. Those are the big shots, I guess. Harrison Barnes had seven, seven points. Hey, Harrison Barnes looked uh, looked good tonight at Chicago. At times, yeah. No, I thought he looked good. He had some yeah. plays, man. Where there, there was a play where he had a fast break and he tried a euro step around Archie Diakono, and instead he just like stepped on his foot and flailed into his face, and he had Dennis right behind him. And then there's just, mm. there's times when he just he sticks his head down and he does not look up at all. Yeah, well, I mean, he's not like LeBron out there, but I, I thought he played well. I mean, he had 23 points. Led the next person behind him was JJ Barrett at 14. 
Um, now, it, it still is weird for us to see in the fourth quarter. Um, not weird to see because we're used to it. Uh, you know, it's like fourth quarter under like five minutes to go, a single-digit game, and, you know, they gave it to, you know, Harrison on the block and just isoing it out. And while Luca and them's on the floor, and it's like, oh, okay. And it worked some. Uh, they Man, they were attacking Jabari Parker like it was nothing. <laughs> Jabari was guarding Harrison <laughs> As they Barnes. And, yeah, and, uh, and Harrison was uh, feasting on him. And then they started singling out little Archie, and I felt bad for him. And um, But, yeah. Chicago was shorthanded, but I thought I thought Harrison played uh, decently well tonight. Luca, on the other hand, he did not have a good game. Yeah, probably his worst game of the season, possibly. Uh, he was a minus thirteen. He shot three for twelve on the uh, on from the field, two for seven from three. I know his second three that he hit. Uh, the camera cut to him, and he was just shaking his head like, "Gosh, this night sucks." Uh, this is shooting and stuff like that. And I mean, he, and he only had three assists, six boards. Yeah. A little rough night from, uh, from Luca, but heck you look across the board and you say, if you would have told me before that Luca had 11 and Dennis had 11 and the Mavericks would be winning, then that's, uh, I'd say, who are they playing? And you said the bulls. And I said, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) All right. The bulls (laughs) without marketing and Chris Dunn. Okay. Okay. Which, which begs the question. Does Dirk's son, Laurie Markkinen, if he plays in this game, do the Mavericks win? Gosh, I don't, I don't even, I don't know. I have, I have no clue. We're big marketing guys. We like, we like, we like marketing and all that stuff. Yeah, we were for drafting marketing. Oh yeah, we were about. It. I mean, the whole shadow behind you know, Dirk would have would have sucked for him and stuff. But no, I'm all about, uh, I'm all about marketing and stuff. Also, Rick t- said after the game, he's asked about Finney Smith stepping in for Wes, and he described him stepping into like he he was describing Wes's role as like this big. He's like, no, those that's a big step up to step into that role and to take on the opposing like player as the primary defender and stuff. And I'm like, hmm. okay, <laughs> which by all accounts he did well. Zach Levine, eight of twenty three. Uh, oh six from from three, and uh, he had seven turnovers. <laughs> yeah, I mean he had and he had what like thirty one or something the last game I think. Yeah, he had twenty six tonight, but on twenty so, twenty three shots. And I and we need to give the Mavericks credit. I mean, this is two games in a row that they've held their opponent under a hundred points on the season. The last game was the first time they did it uh, for the entire season. Um. The last game that they played, uh, who did they play the last game? Who am I thinking? Oklahoma City. Oklahoma, Oklahoma City shot thirty nine percent from the field on on Saturday night. Chicago tonight shot thirty nine percent. Chicago shot twenty four percent from three tonight. Like Dallas got after defensively. I mean, I know, I know, I know it's Chicago. Like, but still, uh, they're playing better defensively than uh, what it was before. Mark Follower had a great tweet tonight and talking about how. Hey, we all we all were saying that things would at least even out some as far as opponent field goal percentage and yeah. opponent three pointers. Like they're not gonna, everybody's not gonna be yeah, completely on fire. You know what? Eight of thirty three tonight. Yeah, <laughs> the Bulls did from three. So uh, anytime that's gonna happen, you know that the uh, the Mavericks should win <laughs> every every time. Let's hope so. All right, let's take a break. When we come back. Let's walk down this. Let's walk. Let's walk around this. What if with Wendell Carter and Dennis with Junior? 
All right, Isaac. So Rick Carlisle comes out and talks about Wendell Carter. He says he's a really, really, really good player, or he's going to be a really, really, really good player. He used really three times. And if the Mavericks had stayed at their spot at five, they had not you know, traded up to draft Luka, they would have taken Wendell Carter. This was a this was a rumor around draft time, and we kind of we kind of shook it off a little bit, but it seems like it was real. If if we went through all of that to get Wendell Carter Jr., man, I like Wendell. I, I know. I, okay, I know. If y'all listen to our whole summer and you listen to our draft stuff, you know I was um, not super high on Wendell Carter. <laughs> Like as far as I think, I thought he was still like a, a lottery pick, but I had all of the other bigs ahead of him, and yeah, I like I get the Mavericks Rick Carlisle intrigue of he's just like a smart player, safe player. I think somebody said today when Rick was talking to reporters that he even brought up the Al Al Horford comp, and I'm like, um. Because uh, I think Al Horford just just different than Wendell Carter. Yeah, I don't think he's Al Horford as much. As he looks more like, like him in college, but in the NBA, he doesn't seem to be in that role. Yeah, I just think he's just a little slow, uh, has slow feet, and that affects and yeah. not a, not as good of a passer. Yeah. So so anyway, so um, far anyway, it was it's just really intriguing to think about that, especially if someone like Mo Bamba's on the board. Uh, I was higher on Mo Bomber and Bomber. Uh, Bomba before the draft, and I'm uh, still the same now. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, I mean, but I tweeted this earlier the other day and got a whole bunch of response. What what would happen if the Mavericks had taken Mo Bomba? Like, what would this season look like if the Mavericks had gotten Bomba? And a whole bunch of people were like, "We'd be we'd be ready for Zion. <laughs> we'd be tanking for Zion." And I think if they had Wendell, there would be the same result. I think they would be terrible. I think they wouldn't have as many wins. I think they'd be tanking again for for zion or rj barrett so let's let's walk down this path so draft night comes they they can't come to terms on the luka Doncic trades with atlanta and which is because they refuse to send west for baseball because they wouldn't they wouldn't send west matthews <laughs> for kid baseball um but so anyway let's say atlanta takes him uh jaron jackson goes to you know memphis, memphis at four too. And then Dallas is there at five, and they take Wendell Carter Jr. First off, I might have, have been shed so a, mad. I might have shed a tear. Yes, uh, for sure. We would have got that, be- that would have been the first fiery Isaac of the season. Oh my oh, gosh, man. you you don't even imagine. Oh man, oh, yo y'all can't even yo no no. Go ahead and give it to us now. Let's let's pretend. No, I know I couldn't. With yeah, the y'all fifth couldn't. pick in the 2018 no, NBA that, draft, the Dallas nightmare. Mavericks select. <laughs> Wendell Carter Jr. from Duke. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't be laughing. I'd be so pissed off that there's just no way that of everything that we went through the past twelve months of the the sucking, the losing, the drive homes after game. That I'm like, oh man, all right, this draft's coming, getting blown out by twenty or thirty, like all, all of stuff. our draft profiles. And then we land <laughs> Wendell Carter Jr. And yeah. Wendell's not, like Wendell will be in the league for like 15 years and he will be a solid player. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's like horrible. I'm just saying for everything the Mavericks went through that season, <laughs> as far as just like tank, you know, well, I can't use tank. Uh, they're losing so much that it, you just want that superstar. So yes, Luca happened, but okay. Let's say they end up with Wendell. Well, immediately right after the draft, 
is free agency a week or so later. Well, they're not getting DeAndre Jordan. So therefore, what happens then? They could like, use their what? money on somebody else. Like, <gasps> they could have got Jabari Parker. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Been the Chicago Mavs. Um, no, yeah. So that's the only thing. Like uh, when we texted about it uh, not too long, you said, man, what if they had Bamba? Bamba's like kind of raw and stuff right now. And I was like, well, they it's hard to really talk about that because they would have spent their money on somebody like they still would have cap space and, you know, over 20 something million. So they would have went out and got somebody. We just don't know, you know, obviously probably a wing and to, cause then you'd have these cornerstones of Dennis and Wendell. And it's like, okay, what would you go spend money on? Would they seek out a trade at that point to bring in somebody different? We don't know. As far as the season goes, what this year would look like, one, since you didn't make the trade, you'd have your 2019 draft pick. And the biggest question is, if Dallas went into the season and they had Wendell and they had Dennis, however they viewed Wendell as a like a, an instant impact player, they probably didn't view him the same way as Luka, they might have said right at the beginning, yeah, um, we're just going to have another year like this. <laughs> um, and all the marketing would have been for not. And yeah, for sure. Uh, but literally every single person right now would just be talking about Zion. And I tweeted out today, like, I think I want Zion on the Knicks more than anything. I know. Um, one of my friends who's a Knicks fan texted me and he's like, we're just getting ready for Zion, man. We're just getting ready for Zion. It's like, that would be a fun team. Porzingis, Knox, Zion, Neil Aquina. No, Porzingis, Zion, KD. Oh, stop. That, that would be fun. I'm drinking that Kool-Aid. I think it's going. KD and but, Zion standing next to each other on a basketball court would be the weirdest looking pair how ever. How fun would that be? Like a seven footer that weighs like a, a buck sixty, and then like Zion who literally weighs like five thousand pounds, and he's like six six. Yeah, they would literally interchange the four, like the three and the four, that, and the two. Porzing- Just go <laughs> ahead, like the, throw them anywhere in the five. <laughs> That would be so fun, though. That would, that would like, be fun. The garden would just be unreal uh, with all of that. But, but no, I tweeted out, and somebody tweeted at me and said, hey, I think you misspelled Mavs in this tweet. I'm like, oh, God, no. <laughs> Is that team with, with Durant, Zion, Nilakina, Porzingis, and, and – uh, Whoever else, Knox. Knox, better than the Lakers with LeBron and the, the four young guys? Um, Probably because of Porzingis, right? Yeah, but well, then you yeah if you he add comes up back like normal Porzingis. But if you add up like Kuzma, Ingram, Hart, Lonzo, is that better than like Zion, Zion Kina? Frank, and Knox? Yeah, it, it's, I mean it's I lean the Lakers. Lakers. I lean the Lakers at the moment just because we just got to see more of Knox. Like, I mean, yeah, we're that's true. Like he's still summer, he's still kind of like, unknown. Yeah. We don't really know what he's gonna be, but it's super fun. But no, like yeah. It, you're probably looking at a super, super long season if they have Dennis and Wendell right now. Um, I don't like who, like who would you be marketing right now if you're the Mavericks? I know if, if it's not because Dirk's not playing. I think the spotlight would be on Dirk more. Uh, does Dirk come back for another season? Like after this happen? one? No. Like does Dirk come back for this? Oh, for season? this season. Oof. If he doesn't think that they're going to even try for the playoffs. Oof. I thought the Dirk thing was very interesting when he uh, was joined the broadcast in the OKC game because he was very, very clear 
that this injury thing is taking way longer than they ever thought it would. Yeah. Because he had a setback and all this stuff. And I thought in my mind, because he's always talked about like when he would hang it up would be based off like these injuries and stuff. And I, I couldn't help to think in my mind if he knew that this was going to take Thanksgiving or possibly Christmas, would he have still came back? Would he have still played this season? If he knew that the recovery of this is going to take this long, especially if it like lingers and all that stuff. Um, but he's already committed at this point and all that. So, and heck yeah, whatever he can bring us this year, we're ready for him to step on the court. Seriously, man. Uh, no, I don't think Dirk would have come back. That's just a gut reaction. Yeah. If he knew, like if we had Wendell, it would have probably been decided internally, not obviously it wouldn't have came out that they're just going to have another down year and get another draft pick. And then you would be looking at uh, a world in three years to where you could possibly have a, uh, a big young three of like a Dennis Wendell and Zion or Cam Reddish or RJ Bayer or something like that. But you wouldn't have Luca. I would rather have Luca still. Oh, for sure. Don't, that's not even then a, all three of those guys. Like, just Luca yeah. and Dennis, I'd rather. Yeah, sign me up for Luca any day, all day on that. But do you think the Mavs looked looked forward into the future and were like, okay, we can make this this take this risk because we'd rather have Luca than any of those yes. guys and Dennis together? Yes, they were all in, uh, and you know this because I've shared with you conversations. Yeah, um, yeah, and just how all in they were on Luca being as. Um, this next superstar and the best international prospect that's that's ever came out. So yeah, it would, it would be intriguing just who they would have spent their money on last summer instead of Deandre and then just going into the season and all that stuff. It would be more depressing because Luca brings so much excitement right now from the fan base and, and all that stuff. But huh? It'd be interesting. We'll end on this. This is Sotnam Shame from King's Reddit. I tweeted this out earlier today, but I wanted to share it. Somebody on King's Reddit talking about the Mavericks and Luca. I spent oh, enough Kings. Oh, some, uh, Kings. This is a Kings fan. I spent enough debating the merits of these players. I was one of the few advocating for Bagley over Luca for the reasons. For many reasons, I discussed after the fact. What is interesting now is there are reports that Luca is being frozen out by teammates, and there's little chemistry developing between he and DSJ, a six-foot shooting guard pretending to be a point guard whose career is going the opposite direction of De'Aaron Fox over ten games. The situation in Dallas is not harmonious. Teammates are somewhat resentful of Luca being anointed the franchise center, and as good as Luca is, he's not quite as good as he thinks. He thinks he is LeBron or Giannis level when really he projects to be more of a third star on a 50 win team. Envious teammates, a cocky rookie and a two and seven team. Part of me relishes in their struggles and the Suns too, since the the quality of our rebuild will be compared and contrasted to theirs. Oh my gosh. (laughs) They went all in on drinking the Kool-Aid. By the way, if you think that Luca is being frozen out, which there is a couple stretches in this game where he wasn't getting the ball again, yeah. go watch my video on YouTube. <laughs> go watch my video. It's uh, Nick Van Exit's my my YouTube channel, and uh, that Luca freeze out video just got over a hundred thousand views. So I know that a lot of you Raccoon Squad went and shared it, and I appreciate you guys. Thank you for that. Heck yeah, these videos are blown up. Seriously, I feel like you release at least like once a week. Or twice. I try. Week. I try to do once a week. 
And your latest one was on turnovers. I just released one uh, on Sunday night about Luca's turnovers. Luca, before the game against Chicago, had 50 total turnovers, 4.2 per game. That's the fourth most in the NBA (laughs) per game. And so I broke them all down. I categorized all of them uh, and showed, you know, what things he can work on and what things he's, you know, struggling with. If y'all thought the rebound thing with DeAndre was just all about Luca, look at earlier in this game. I said Nick a gif. <laughs> I didn't tweet it out because yeah, I just didn't want to like bring spotlight to it. But there is a play earlier in the game in which Harrison Barnes is going up for a rebound and DeAndre comes over and snatches it from Harrison and bumps him and literally Harrison turns around and holds up his hands. Like up in the air, both hands. Like, oh, okay, that's DeAndre's. Cool man. And sp- spins around and just runs down the. I court. wish DeAndre would do that against other players that are on the other team instead of just his own players. Oh, uh, there you go, guys. Thanks so much for listening <laughs> to Locked On Mavs. We'll be back. Probably gonna do a game pod tomorrow, and we might go live. We're not sure. We're still discussing it. So, uh, but guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. Peace out. Oh.